Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. On this podcast, you'll hear from Trevor Oldham, the founder of Podcasting You and host of the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. Trevor has been running Podcasting You, a podcasting booking agency that helps real estate investors guest on podcasts. And after working with hundreds of real estate clients, he shares tips and tricks along with insights from his guests for how to start investing in real estate, grow your real estate business, and how to build credibility and become a go-to expert. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Oldham. And today on the show, we have Lee Yoder. Lee was a practicing as a physical therapist when he realized his true passion was building his own business and investing in real estate. He has taken this passion and considerable action to quickly build a portfolio with several small apartment buildings. Lee is the founder and visionary behind Threefold Real Estate Investing, and he's committed to forging a path that will generate incredible wealth and opportunity for all involved. His focus is driving the business forward by forging new relationships with top-notch professionals in the real estate world and bringing on more partners to invest alongside Threefold. Lee also hosts an exciting new podcast, Threefold Real Estate Investing, which focuses on multifamily real estate investing, also focusing on pursuing better relationships with family and a better walk with Christ. Lee, excited to have you on today. Excited to be on the show, Trevor. Thanks so much for having me on. Most certainly. And for our audience out there that, that may be listening, I'd love for you just to hop into your real estate investing experience. I, I know in the bio, you mentioned you were a physical therapist. So physical therapy and, and real estate investing seem to be two totally different worlds. So I'd love for you just mm -hmm. to hop into you know the decision to go into real estate investing and, and how you got started. Yeah, yeah, I love I love telling the story. It's uh, I think it's very relatable. Anybody could do something like what I did. I didn't know anything about real estate. Didn't know anybody in real estate. Um, so yeah, I was doing physical therapy. I was uh, at an outpatient clinic, which is like you know, Trevor, if you want to go get physical therapy, that's where you would go. And so it's fun, exciting physical therapy. Uh, but we had to stay open late because you're going to have to go after work, right? So it uh, just wasn't like the best schedule when the wife and I were starting our family. So kind of started looking at other things, but I'm just going to look within physical therapy, right? So looked at uh, home health physical therapy where you get to make your own schedule. And now I'm treating older people that stay at home. They can't get out to a clinic, right? So I can see them all throughout the day, get to make my own schedule. So actually switched, did that for a year. And I got to experience what making my own schedule was like mm -hmm. and having a ton of flexibility, I was making plenty of money. That wasn't the issue. Um, so my wife loved it. I loved it. You know, that part of it, it was great for our family. Uh, but I was just bored. I was really, really bored. I was not fulfilled. I wasn't challenged. So the company I was with actually asked me to come into the office and start doing some uh, clinical director type work. And then I was like fulfilled. Like it was challenging, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it just not everybody's this way, but I really like to be challenged by my job. I like to do something exciting, fulfilling. So eventually I, I came in with the company and, and I was doing all clinical director type work. I was in the office all the time and I'm not doing any uh, physical therapy anymore. And I just really started to enjoy it. And I kind of just kept, you know, moving up, you know, started really kind of climbing the corporate ladder, which is a common story. Right. And I became almost like a, a director of operations. So then everything flipped. So now I'm working more hours, um, more demanding job, more stressful, um, much less flexibility, uh, so it's not so good for the family anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not spending a bunch of time and I, you know, I don't get to make my own schedule. Um, I was making a lot more money. Um, and, and that, again, it wasn't important because we were making plenty when I was doing home health. Um, cause my wife doesn't work or she was PRN as a nurse actually. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of flipped. 
Okay. Now I'm like, my, but uh, my job was really fulfilling. It was exciting. It was challenging. So I kind of got to see both sides and, um, but I, I became a little bit disenchanted, which, which often happens, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and, and you're kind of seeing this, this vision that, you know, your boss and the, uh, the company, I was kind of working for a startup. So there was a lot of energy there and, and just this, you know, kind of selling this dream. Like if you stay with us, if you keep growing, you're on track to, you know, make hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, all this stuff. But it kind of kept moving further into the future. Like every time you thought like, oh, by this time next year, I'll be, you know, truly a director of operations. It just kind of kept moving. And so it was becoming a little bit disenchanted, kind of looking for something else. And then uh, a, a good friend of mine that was helping me build the division, we were building a division together, handed me a real estate book. Um, and it wasn't uh, a memorable one, but I started kind of going down that path, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, totally spoke to me and was like, okay, I think this is my ticket. And and what I saw in that, Trevor, and what I eventually pursued was maybe I can have both. <laughs> maybe I can uh, have a have a job. So go back to a job. And I had another friend, um, this was part of this, that told me, because I started wanting to get into real estate. I told a friend that was in real estate full-time. And he said, well, what if you could leave, like, what if you could do your job from home? Is that possible? Could you have more flexibility with your job? Could you do, you know, do your job from home a little bit and have more flexibility so you can get in real estate? And the answer was no. I mean, my job was, and, and for a lot of people, it's that way. It was, I was climbing the corporate ladder. It was all, I was all in on that job. So what I ended up doing, Trevor, was leaving the corporate world, going back to the home health physical therapy, which again, paid me plenty, but I took about a 30% pay cut. Okay. So big pay cut, but still making enough. But now I've got all my flexibility back and I've got like capacity. I mean, it wasn't like a stressful job that stressed me out and took like all my mental capacity. I, I could think about real estate almost all day. So I just thought, all right, well, that was my plan. It was like, I'll leave. I'll go do this job where I have flexibility, but it's also a job that's not fulfilling. It's not challenging to me. Well, the fulfilling and challenging part is going to be doing a, a side hustle of real estate. And so I like telling that story and I want to tell more people about that because I'm sure you know, Trevor, like more and more our economy and the workforce is moving more toward uh, stay at home and flexible and control your own schedule. So not that everybody should be on a path to go full-time into real estate like I eventually did, but if you want to get into it a little bit, if you want to, I think everybody should be into it to some degree because it's so powerful. Now's the time to do it more than ever. You can start educating yourself. And even if you just get into it passively, you have maybe more time, more freedom, more flexibility to start to understand how to do that. So anyway, that's what I ended up doing was leaving the corporate world, going back to home health, physical therapy, doing real estate on the side. And I, you know, that was about four and a half years ago. Now I want to talk about the first deal when you had gotten to real estate. Did it start off? Did you go out there and just, you know, buy an apartment complex? Did you, you know, house hack? What did that sort of that first deal that you put together look like? Yeah, I always knew I wanted to get into rentals. Um, I listened to enough podcasts, read enough stuff that I just knew. Um, honestly, I kind of already knew that my goal was to own a 100-unit apartment complex, 100 units plus. But just felt like that's way too big. Can't start there. Don't know anything. So we flipped a house. We did what a lot of people do. We flipped a house. Uh, interesting experience there. I won't get into it too much. But um, basically, you just learn pretty quickly. This is just another job. Uh, the, the funny thing is, like, I took, you know, about a 30% pay cut. Um and I was working a full-time job and then I did the flip and the flip honestly made me about as much as I lost leaving that job. <laughs> but I was working a ton of hours on this flip. I mean, I put a ton of my own time into it. So work-wise and money-wise, it was almost like the same thing as if I stayed in the corporate position. Now I, I really enjoyed it and I learned a lot. So I'm not saying people shouldn't do that, but it only took really one flip for me to go, this is not investing. This is another job. And if you like that, great. But 
I, I knew pretty quickly I wanted to transition into investing. And, and as you were investing in going out there, what sort of, you know, are you investing in, you know, properties around your local geographical area? Are you investing out of state? Would you mind just giving our audience some context? Yeah, I wanted, I stayed local. So I flipped a house in my own, my own hometown where we live. And then I bought a duplex. It was basically a flip, but we rented it out for a little bit. So I got a little taste of being a landlord. We did that in our hometown. Um, and then uh, the first multifamily property, the 16 unit we bought after that uh, was 20 minutes up the road, 20, 25 minutes up the road. So yeah, we stayed local. Oh, perfect. And, and, you know, I saw the information you sent over prior to our interview today. I saw that you, you know, you purchased a 48 unit and you have a 47 unit under contract. Would you mind walking your audience, you know, how you found those deals, how you put those deals together? I would assume that you're probably using some sort of outside capital and, and investors coming in to help, you know, maybe not a partner, but at least provide some of the uh, the cash there to put the, uh, put the money towards the down payment. Yeah, sure. After I got some experience doing some small multifamilies and really saw the power of multifamily investing, um, we, we just decided to go all in on that. And, and we started building um, some uh, kind of a community and some people that were interested. We had just a couple people in on this first small multifamilies with us and we just did some joint ventures, but more and more people want to partner. So, um, and I've always wanted to own your bigger apartment buildings. There's so much, um, there's a scalability. There's um, the, uh, the scale brings you a lot of extra benefits. Um, the economies of scale, we'll call it. So uh, yeah, we, we end up finding a 45 unit apartment building. Um, a big lesson on that one, you know, I found it through another investor, but he's a broker as well. He's an agent uh, in the Dayton area, which is, you know, I live between Dayton and Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, it just didn't fit his criteria. So he, he invests in like, C, C minus D plus areas. This was more like a B minus C plus area. And, and he invests in like very heavy, heavy value add stuff. And this didn't fit his criteria. So uh, it's a guy I met on bigger pockets. Um, I, oh, wow. I met him, you know, on bigger pockets. We kind of both commented on the same thing, kind of connected. I have a podcast as well that you run Trevor. Um, great episode. Uh, and um, I had him on my podcast. We just started kind of get to know each other. And um, so he finds this deal, you know, hears about this deal and he didn't want it. So he brought it to me. So it's totally relationships. I think right now, especially, it feels like to me that brokers control most of these deals. Mm-hmm. So that one was brought to us by a broker, really more of a friend investor uh, that isn't a broker as well, but honestly has not brokered many deals. Um, he works for a brokerage where he kind of gets to do his own thing. So it's not like he's part of one of these big groups. Uh, and then the second one, we were looking at a 54 unit that was listed uh, with Marcus and Millichap. You know, big brokerage, okay? Um, and so we're just looking at the old listed, you know, going to have a lot of competition, stuff like that. And, um, but because I was actually selling a, a property with them and had had a relationship, you know, kind of getting going with, with those guys over there, that office, they decided to show me a, a 47 unit that was off market. And that's, you know, that's mm. where you can, you know, usually find a better deal, where you can usually get a better deal. So that's the one we went after. We didn't offer on the one that was on market. We went right to the, you know, put an offer in on the one that was off market. They were planning on listing it, but they hadn't yet. So we were able to get in there without so much competition. Oh, that's that's excellent. That's always nice getting in, getting an off market deal, especially in today's market where anything, Absolutely. anything that's going on in the market, you, you check it out and you know, you want to make an offer on it. And they're like, Oh, you know, there's 15 offers already over asking. You're like, well, I don't yeah. know if I, I don't know if you yeah. want to pursue this I'm at a hundred grand under asking. So I guess I'm out on this one. <laughs> yep, exactly. And and as you've been a real estate investor, and as you've been growing your portfolio, what do you some what do you think are some of the challenges that you've experienced? Uh, you know, honestly, it, it's very challenging. Um, 
More so, well, there's different challenges. So while I was working full-time, it was certainly a challenge. You know, I, I, um, I really believe in, in putting my, my faith and my family first. You know, we're, we're definitely people of faith, Christ followers, and, and our, our first priority is, is to God and to following God and his will for us. And then my second priority is my wife and then my kids. And, and I really try hard to keep, keep on track with that. And as you're young and ambitious, it, it's, it's really difficult. I mean, I struggle with this a lot. I, I love to work. But once I found real estate, I really loved it and I wanted to just pursue it. Uh, but, but I don't want to lose the relationships that are most important to me, which is my, my God, my wife and my kids. Um, and so that was a real challenge when I, when I still had the full-time job to, to, to continue with my priorities. Now, once I went in full-time, I actually, you know, had a little bit more time. Well, obviously a lot more time to focus on real estate because I don't have a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And the challenge there, Trevor, has been very different. Um, I mean, still some of the same challenges because I can get consumed by real estate because I love it so much. Um, but it, the challenge now is, is just in being an entrepreneur. I mean, you're an entrepreneur, Trevor, and you, you know, like deciding like what to do and when to do it. And, and then when things aren't working and things aren't happening, I mean, the, the difficulty, especially now with apartment syndication is, I mean, some guys are doing a lot more, but for us, if we close three deals this year, we're going to be pretty happy. Well, three deals in a year is only one every four months, right? So working for four months and feeling like nothing's happening is really hard, you know, uh, because, you know, it, 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 you can go, I mean, for me, I'm not that type of person. I'm probably more suited for flipping <laughs> because you get to be doing something every day and you're seeing it change or maybe wholesaling or something where it's, you know, a bunch of transactions, but I don't want to do that at all, but it, it's very difficult. I would say that's, that's really challenging um, to, to be working every day, to be calling brokers every day, to be underwriting deals every day, to be trying to raise money every day. And then most days, 90% of your days, you don't feel like you got any closer to a deal. I could, I could, uh, I can attest that, especially even in my own business, you know, the, the, at least for the cash flow for our business, you know, it ebbs and flows. There's, there's weeks yeah. where, uh, you know, I might go two weeks on, I don't sign it. I don't sign a client. And then there could be a week where I signed five new, five new clients. And it's always that, that ebbs and ebbs and flows. And I, I could definitely agree with those challenges, especially those weeks where, you know, you feel like you're doing anything, but you don't feel like you're making any progress anywhere. And it's, yeah, you know, that, right. that sort of mindset having to uh, just understand that's, you know, that's the purpose of being an entrepreneur. And that's, you know, one of the, one of the downfalls of working for ourselves, but on the back end, we also get to have our flexibility. As you mentioned, we also get to the normal sort of ceiling cap on our income, which is also a nice added benefit. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So let's say that you have, you know, you, you find a deal, you know, let's say it's a 50 unit and you know, everything looks good. You get it, you get it accepted. And then now you want to bring investors into the deal. Do you have a network set in place? Do you have a list of people that you reach out to? What is sort of the, uh, the capital raising aspect side of the business look like? Yeah, you bring up a good point, Trevor. You really want to have a list in place. Um, for one, you know, we, we do a 506B where we can bring on sophisticated investors. We don't just have to do accredited investors, but the key there is you have to have a relationship with them. So you really need to have a relationship with all these people um, and, and have people basically interested in investing with you in an apartment building, um, just in general. Now, they may not like the deal that you bring to them. That's fine. But you need to have a good list. I mean, if you think, you know, we, we, we on this 47 unit, we're raising 1.3 million. Um, and, and you know, we're going to have to, you know, bring in 25 investors or whatever. Um, by the time this is published, we'll, we'll have taken it down. Um, so we need to have, uh, you know, 40, 50 investors that are somewhat interested. Uh, ahead of time. So, and then what that looks like is, you know, once we get into contract, we, we do kind of start letting some people know, cause we already have a relationship with them. We, we can't 
um, present the deal to them yet. We're not ready, but we start letting them know we have a deal because you may have some people that kind of need to get their money liquid, get their money ready and, and, and they're ready, but they don't want to have the money just sitting in a bank account. You know, some people may um, sell some stocks, stuff like that. So you start letting people know it's ready. Uh, we have everybody fill out an investor qualification form that kind of qualifies you either as accredited or sophisticated because you got to be one or the other. Once they fill that out, then then we're ready to present the deal. And so once we've done enough, um, usually it's it's after the inspection where we put everything together and we always you know put together a PowerPoint presentation and then we present the deal to these people and then we start asking them to, com- to commit. So they were already kind of committed to us. They were committed to multifamily investing. Now they're committed to the deal and they're ready to go. Oh, that's that's perfect. Yeah, I think that's a great, great overview for our audience. And and Lee, I want to be respectful of your time today. And we had a great conversation, but I just want to ask you a couple of few questions before we end the show today. And, and this is a question I've been asking every real estate investor that's come on the show. But in your opinion, where do you think the real estate market is going in 2021 and beyond? Um, that's that's the sixty four million dollar question for sure. Um. And I, you know, the, the, depth, the true answer is I have no idea. Um, but just because, you know, Trevor, I, I've thought we were going to like crash or, or at least correct for a long time. And I, I, I point to some things that, that have kept us from doing that. So I don't think, you know, some of the predictions of, of a correction or a crash over the past few years have been like crazy, even though we've done the exact opposite. I think there's some reason for that. I do think, I think one of two things is going to happen. We are truly going to have inflation, like, like bad inflation. And in that case, we won't crash, but it won't be good. So prices will keep going up, but it's, it's going to be a bad thing because incomes are not going up. Even though it, the crazy thing about this recession so far is actually incomes have gone up, but it's only because there are so many people making more not working than they were working. Mm-hmm. Uh, the government has handed out so much money. The incomes actually went up in 2020, which is not what's supposed to happen during a recession. And I know it was like a flash recession, but still income should have went down. Like it, it was a bad year last year. Right. But somehow incomes went up and that's the magic of, of funny money uh, that, that the government printed. Um, I, I listened to a lot of guys, uh, macroeconomic guys, and, and it, we really are kind of headed for a fiscal cliff where we, we don't, if we stop printing money, we're going to, we're going to suddenly feel that pain. We're going to come down. Now, you know, Biden's already talking about a, a infrastructure bill. I mean, they know they have to keep pumping money into the economy or the rubber will meet road and we'll, we'll see, shoot, this really is a recession. I, I think it's going to be hard to get all this stuff done. I do think we're going to have a correction. And I know people say like, oh, it's different this time. It's different than 2008. That's fine. 2008 was different than 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, 2001 was different than, than the eighties, different than the seventies. It, I, I do think there's a reckoning. Um, we're still buying that being said. Um, and I think you just gotta be really smart. We're buying for cash flow. We are not expecting appreciation. Uh, you know, we're not over leveraging stuff like that. I think there's going to be a correction. I think maybe it takes until, you know, maybe toward the beginning of 2022. Um, you know, the, um, the mortgage more term, I, I got a cousin that's, um, or in-law that's in, uh, works for us bank and, and, uh, does the, uh, he works in the, um, foreclosure department has nothing to do right now. He's like, I literally don't have anything to do because we're not allowed to foreclose on people that ends in June and end of June, I think June 30th or something like that. So does that get extended? Maybe, but at some point, I think we have to go guys, COVID's kind of coming to an end. Uh, we kind of have to go back to normal foreclosures are a normal part of the, the process. And once you start foreclosing on people, there's a backlog. I think, I think housing comes down. I think, you know, commercial is part of that. Okay. I, I do think we see a significant correction, but could totally be wrong. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great answer. And even for myself, I've been trying to 
I've been looking at properties, you know, I want to buy my first two, three or four family. And I was looking at one last week and, and I've been looking, I'm in Massachusetts, but I've been looking in upstate New York, just the, where it's where my fiance is from. Numbers make a whole lot more sense out that way. And I was asking the realtor, like, could you send me like a rent roll? Can you just show me like, show me like just proof that this person has been paying the rent. And she just, she couldn't provide it to me. And that was like a little worrisome to me because if I'm taking over this property, you know, my expectation is, you know, I'm an apartment myself, you know, I'm always going to pay the rent because that's just a normal, you know, that's a normal good, good thing to do. But there are people out there that just, you know, have taken advantage of that. They haven't paid the rent, they haven't paid their mortgage. And it is, you know, a little worrisome what's going to happen on that day, you know, whenever it comes in the future. And at least in New York, where you mentioned June, they've extended it to September. So now it's like, well, you know, I wanted my strategy is to do a house hack, but I don't want to buy a property. And then all of a sudden that tenants like, oh, I'm not going to pay their, you know, their fair share because mm-hmm. the government mm-hmm. doesn't tell them to. So I think it's a, I think it's a debacle. That's a, that's a, you got to be careful. Yeah. Luckily, Ohio is, is more landlord friendly. We're more mm-hmm. of a conservative state. And, and I feel like it's just more, more fair. Uh, I mean, yeah, places like New York, man, are, are very skewed mm-hmm. to the, to the, to the, Tenant, which yeah, I, I'm all about it. We've we've done a lot to help people. We met with our property manager today, and and they told us some stories. We said, well, why are we letting this lady, you know, saying she's not paying? Well, here's her story, and it was, you know, she had a good story. And hey, let's help her out then. Let's, mm-hmm. let's you're getting out of an abusive relationship, and there was reasons she couldn't pay. Let's help her out. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But yeah, people that don't want to pay because the government said, hey, because of COVID, you don't have to pay. Um, that's tough, man. And, and and New York loves that kind of stuff. So yeah, <laughs> definitely, you want to be careful. I mean, for us. That's not the COVID has not been an issue at all in Ohio with our renters, uh, but but we have different laws. Different states have different laws. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But earlier earlier in our conversation, I mentioned, or you had mentioned that you were, you you know, you had read some different real estate books, and I was wondering if you had a favorite real estate or business book that you'd recommend for our audience to check out. Yeah, one book I like to uh, recommend is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, uh, because uh, it's like I told you, Trevor. It, it's um it's it's a true principle throughout any time any um part of your life. I mean, it just it's just the compound effect is so real and it's so powerful, but it's so hard to do. I mean, I really struggle with it. But if you can stick with something long enough, you you are gonna see this compound effect. And what that means is like it's just like building up, it's coiling up, and it feels like you're making no progress. But all of a sudden, it ta- it just takes off, and you see this exponential growth. And I think that it's just so, such a principle that is so true in so many areas of life. It's definitely true. I feel like in real estate investing where, you know, you'll look at a guy and, and he has a thousand units and you're like, my gosh, I'll never get to that. But you find out that he's been doing it for 15 years and he accumulated 900 of those a thousand units in the last two years. So for 13 years, he only accumulated a hundred units. So now it's like, oh, well, accumulating a hundred units over the next 13. Well, that sounds a lot more doable. Right. And then you find out in the first 10 years he bought and sold and, 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 and went bankrupt at one point, you know what I mean? So like, it's this whole thing that it, it's, you know, I think it's Rod Cleaver for somebody that says it, real estate's not a get rich quick scheme. It's a get incredibly wealthy for sure over a long period of time. And that's definitely what real estate is. So if you can, if you read the compound effect, that helps you maybe just stay true to that principle and understand that you're going to feel like nothing's happening and you're not doing anything, but Man, so many people give up at that point. And if you're the one that doesn't, you're going to see an exponential reward. That's, a, that's an excellent book recommendation. I actually had another interview with another uh, another investor at 2.30. Uh, so I guess the audience listening is not going to know what that means. But about an hour and yeah. a half ago, I had an interview with another real estate investor. And he had also mentioned the uh, the compound effect as one of the books that he would recommend to our audience. That's, that's, yes, that's great to, to see that you mentioned it as well. 
And the last question today is, is where can our audience find you? Yeah, absolutely. Jump on our website. Uh, we got a great website, threefold. That's T-H-R-E-E-F-O-L-D and then R-E-I, like real estate investing, uh, .com. So threefoldrei.com, jump on there. We've got a great ebook that we're really excited about, Trevor. We just came out with it. It's called Five Steps to Passive Income for the Full-Time Dad. So a lot of things I was talking about, um, you know, just how it's really challenging trying to prioritize, you know, work really hard, provide really well for your family, but also be there for your family, be supportive, have a good relationship, spend time with your family. And I, I we just think too often people think like the only way to make more money is to take that next promotion, to work harder, to work more hours, to trade more time for money. Um, and even if you don't get into real estate or actively or, or try to get into it full time, even if you could just save up some money and, and invest it in real estate, um, your money can make money for you, right? Like you can, you can let your money work for you. So I just kind of give the example, like if you could just save um, $50,000 and, and overall you're getting, you know, uh, let's say you're only getting a 10% return on that. And so that's just an extra $5,000 a year. But a lot of times for people, that means an incredible vacation for the family. Mm-hmm. And that's why they want to work harder is because they want to provide these incredible vacations. But what if, what if you could save your money and let your money provide that vacation for you? And then you don't have to trade more time for money. So th- that's what we're really passionate about. So yeah, check out our ebook there. Um, you want to get more information, you can fill out. Uh, we've got a sheet there on our um, contact sheet on our uh, website. You can fill out and become part of our, because we send out a weekly email so you can become part of our community. But that's the best way. You can email us at info at threefoldrei.com. We'd love to chat with you. Awesome. Thank you for those. And I'll make sure for the listeners listening, those will be included on the show notes on our website. And Lee, thank you for your time today. And I'm sure our audience found a lot of value. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. For full show notes on today's episode, go to podcastingyou.com. That's podcastingyou.com. If you have feedback from today's episode, feel free to email us at trevor at podcastingyou.com. Thanks for listening.